you have mutual friends and family and you start playing the episode and you're like, you said that about me? <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't take it back. It's Tuesday, December 18th, and you're listening to the Typed Out Podcast. I'm your host and creator, Nick Polifrone. Every week, Typed Out aims to deliver conversations that seek to expand the boundaries of understanding and acceptance. And in our final episode of 2018, I am joined by Reginald A. Howard, who not only hosts the Black Mental Health Podcast, but is also the author of Suffering Into Success. Welcome, Reg. What's up? How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. I just want to thank you for having me. I'm humbled and blessed. And I want to give you a big, huge shout out before we get into anything, because you were one of the first publications to acknowledge anything that I was doing, like one of the first, like if not the first to acknowledge and just uh, give me that head start of someone else acknowledging the work that I was doing. And I just want to say I'm humbly grateful and I'm thankful to be on your platform today. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I mean, first of all, <laughs> I, I found that to be criminal because uh, so just for anyone listening along that is unfamiliar how Reg and I connected, it was back in July, we were highlighting Minority Mental Health Month. And so just doing a bit of research and seeing what resources were out there, especially for our Black community, I came across the Black Mental Health Podcast. And so I I just tuned in, started listening to some of the episodes in which you sit down with important folks in your life and just talking about what's going on sometimes in your head, you know, and really starting to unpack and demystify mental health in, in the Black community, which more often I know has a tendency to kind of uh, become taboo in certain circles. So it, it was major work that I came across and I just felt like I had to share it. I not felt like I had to, I knew I had to share it. Like I said, I thank you for it. And basically the way I got it started is, I know we probably gonna get into it, but I just seen like a lot of things that was going on in my community and no one was addressing it. Like as far as like, uh, th therapy is so off the, the, the radar for everyone. I just wanted to open the conversation up because I would, people would come to me and we would have these type of conversations and I would talk for hours and just talking to people because I'm a communicator. So I would talk to them and I'm like, man, so many people are going, are suffering in silence. Like they're by themselves and it's like, you know, everybody else is suffering like that too. Yeah. So I wanted to create a space to, for everyone to know that, you know, we're all going through the same things and maybe if you can share, because my tagline is sharing therapeutic stories. So maybe we can share our our stories will help somebody else to know that they're not alone and going through their struggles. Absolutely. Just recently on Instagram, I posted a little quote about how your voice is desperately needed no matter who you are, because on the other side of that is somebody who needs to receive that message. A hundred percent. That's so true. So it's just like however many voices, if, if everyone could lend their voice in whatever passion, capacity, art form it, it is, whether it's a podcast or, you know, even just expressive art there's someone that needs to receive that message. So thank you for what you do, Reg. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing too. the gateway that you're opening up for everybody in the communities and different. Like, I, I feel like you give a voice to the unheard and you, you're, you're amplifying it to the biggest capacity. Well, thank you. My thing with Typed Out is all about saying that more than just the one community that you belong to, there are other communities out there that support you. And together, when we work together and support one another, that's how real change happens. A hundred percent, man. And I... I I salute that message and, and, and promote that message to the full capacity. Well, thank you. <laughs> so I do want to spend the majority of this episode talking about your book, Suffering Into Success, which mm -hmm. I just finished last evening. And one, 
it was like kismet timing with reading this book because it felt so aligned with a lot of the things that had been going talking about like going through your own inner monologue mm-hmm. it felt like you were speaking to what i was uh dialoguing with myself about in my own head mm-hmm. so it was just like perfect timing to read your book which how would you classify it would it be self-help I was wondering that. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I make it a self-help book, but a lot of this stuff, um, how can I say? Like, it's really like, you don't need my book. You, We already have some of the stuff inside of us, but sometimes you need that reminder. Like a king sometimes need to remind that it's king or a queen sometimes need to remind, but we get knocked off our throne sometimes and we forget about it. And other people play like uh, factors into your life and you'll forget who you are and lose yourself. Yeah. And sometimes you need that reminder of a kick in the butt like, hey, look, you're great. You just got maybe some things going on that may not make you believe that you're great, but you're still great. Yeah. One quote that I heard recently, it was actually in a a play reading that I had gone to, and there was a beautiful line of dialogue where the main character's best friend finds her to support her, and she is on this quest of trying to find herself and feel herself, and she says to him, you know, I truly think that friends are there to feel you when you can't feel yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. So it's, again, nothing... Nothing is necessary, but yet then everything is necessary. Isn't that, oh, yes, yes. Just as much as you don't. I need my book. Like, I literally read my book for motivation because, yes, I wrote it down. And yes, I've completed it. And yes, I made it into my story into something that can help somebody else. But even still, even to this day, up to this moment, I get knocked off. Of, of how I feel and then I got to remind myself I got to go back and read what I wrote it's like oh this is what I'm going through now or oh this is this period or oh this principle applies now yeah so I, it, it helps me just as much as it's helping everybody else I hope yes <laughs> I mean one I will I already wanted to start quoting the book like you have mm-hmm. so many great quotes in there that I just started mm-hmm. I wanted to make an Instagram post about every fifth sentence mm-hmm. and i was like i have to, i just need to wait until after the podcast <laughs> so i can do it in conjunction with promoting it mm-hmm. but it, it took a minute but i i have like a list of of great quotes that you have in there so um but first before we really get into suffering into success do you mind telling our listeners a little bit more about you because i feel like that will lay the the groundwork for really what is the heart and the meat of suffering into success uh well from from a kid, the earliest that I can remember, I always wanted to help people. And in the sense of like everyone, I feel like it, when you when you put it down and boil down to everything that's going on in our world and everything that everyone starts and businesses and things that people get into at the core of it is helping someone. So now I had to figure out what way am I going to help someone? Like, what's my medium? What's my vehicle? What's the things that I'm going to do to help someone? So as a kid. I used to, I never asked my mom for stuff because I knew that she couldn't afford it. Or I never asked, I never, like, I I, I pushed down my uh, things that I want because I knew by not asking or by not uh, forcefully trying to make my, guilt tripping my mom into feeling some type of way, I knew it was helping her. So she didn't feel obligated to do that stuff. So growing up, I never really asked for nothing, but I knew that I wanted great things. I knew I wanted to accomplish great things, but I wanted to do it by helping as many people as I can. So... Um, I started businesses like shoveling snow, cutting grass, uh, selling uh, mixed CDs. I don't know how old you are if you remember. Oh, yes. <laughs> I sold mixed CDs in uh, school. And mind you, 
I was on the AOL dial-up, like, when you had to block the phone line. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, 8, 10 years old doing that stuff, figuring this stuff out. So, um, and that's another part of it. I always wanted to figure stuff out. So communications is what I studied in college. But from a kid, I literally wanted to learn how stuff works and why people are the way that they are. So fast forward to the podcast and everything that I'm doing today, it's always in a manner of trying to figure out what's going on in the world, what state of the world we're in and how can I figure it out and how can I help. And my my three words that I live by is helping, hearing and healing. So I'll, I'll be able to hear people and then help them and then heal them all in the same breath by anything that I do, whether it be my podcast, whether it be me speaking to someone, whether it be me writing a book, it's always going to be helping, hearing, and healing at the core and basis of everything. That's beautiful. (laughs) And it comes, well, it's a section that's later on in your book where you talk about living with purpose and not only finding your why, but your who. Mm. And I love that. (laughs) And it's all about not why do you do something, but who are you doing it for? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like uh, like people, a lot of motivational books talk about why, like your, what's your why? What, why do you do what you want to do? And it's, it's good to an extent until your why, your why changes over time. Like most of the time, like when you were a kid, you wanted to get stuff because you wanted the nice car or you wanted to do that so you can get the, even as a young kid, you wanted to do something so you can get the lollipop. But as a 27 year old man, I don't care about a lollipop as much as I do anything else. Like I need something. My mom is a who, which is like, all right, I want to do this for my mom or my, my kids are a who or, uh, my the generations after me is a who and if you want to look at it on a global scale my community is a who that the reason why i'm doing this for or doing anything for if you have a who like a community of who or it makes everything such more stronger and more like i'm not just doing this for me now i'm doing it for great caring kids somebody said the other day um you get energy when you're doing stuff for the now like you'll have energy to do stuff for the now but it's a, a, a energizer bunny when you're doing stuff for people that's not even here yet yeah. or that's not even going to feel the effects until you're going. That's a lifetime commitment of making sure stuff gets uh, accomplished and happen. And you now you you have you get all the energy in the world when you have a who. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like you said, it's it's renewable energy. It's the thing where. You know, when I was reading that section about who versus why, it made me start reflecting about what my who versus or who my who versus why is. <laughs> and it, it is that it's just in tandem with what you just said. It is the community, not only that surrounds me and obviously friends and family and all of my loved ones, but it is the generation mm-hmm. that is upcoming and the generation that comes after them. It's the idea with making the world a better place or and leaving a better world than the one you inherited, Mm. you know? And the motivation for me is just really driving home acceptance and just the importance of what can happen when people uplift you and that you don't feel alone. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. One of the the verses, and I I can't give everyone all the book, but one of the verses that I had was, I have a a six-year-old son and I, I said, my six-year-old son is worth way more to me than a billion dollars. People might say a billion dollars, that's a lot of money, but how much are you willing to sell your son for? Like when you really are working for your child and, and any parent knows that, 
that's a whole different level of motivation. And I, I struggled with that chapter because uh, I knew what I was trying to say with the who. And then I get into the where. But I'm like, I got to make sure I get the point across. And I'm so happy that you were able to receive the message and understand what I was trying to convey. Because that was the most the most important part of that section was like, who versus why yeah no it came across crystal clear but i do want to come back to point one and also introduce to everyone listening what suffering into success is so it is a as we described earlier a self-help guide and reg offers some really insightful tips of how the hard things that we go through lay the framework for what our perceived success is because it really does come down to perception which you i think you hit so beautifully in in the book is that success isn't the monetary stuff it's not the huge house it's not the car it's not the fame or any level of the material stuff i mean yes it may look like that sometimes but really success is what you define it to be and it's your perception you know success can be and the other thing that i love is that you talk about celebrating every step of the way even the tough times and i think more often than not this made me think of, so I, I have a background in, in acting, so I used to want to be a performer. And I remember reading or hearing someone saying that you have to not want the end game. So it's not about being on a TV show or being in a film or, you know, getting that constant work at the public theater. You have to love the day in, day out struggle of the auditioning process and show, and the hard stuff. Like, you have to love the hard stuff knowing that there are rewards on the other end of it. I equate it to, uh, for example, I've been going through a real tough time, not recently, but now, but um, like I first started, I, I just started speaking and a matter of fact, I'll even use the book. Once I got the book done, I thought I was gonna feel like this great, like feeling or euphoric feeling when I got it done, oh, great accomplishment. But in reality, it's like, it's done now what's next and not in the sense of being ungrateful but you fought so hard you got there and now you won the championship what's next and i look at it like almost like a video game as the cha- the, the the greatness and the uh quality the, the 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 richness in a video game is the challenges along the way to the journey of getting to where you want to get to once you beat the levels of the game there's no more there's no more game to you anymore and then you, you're like sitting there like, what's next? Like, what do I do? And I had to learn to accept and be grateful for the accomplishment along the way. Not even learn because within this book, I was more happy with the cover. I was excited about the cover. You couldn't tell me I didn't win the championship when I got the cover down. Or when I, when I wrote the back of the book and did the summary, I was like, oh, man, it's the greatest thing in the world. Those felt way more greater than when the book actually got done. Now, yes, I'm grateful that the book has gotten done and gotten accomplished. Cool. But it's the little things of who I became and the things and the process along the way is what made me the most happiest. Like, it made me the most happiest of learning that I can put together a concept. I can make paragraphs. I can make chapters. Like, those things, they gave me way more reward than the ending uh, result of it. Yeah, and it's so beautifully constructed. Like, you can tell that it's heartfelt. Mm. Like, it it is truly a work of the heart. Mm. Because each chapter is so clearly defined, and then you have this wonderful motivational quote leading each chapter from prominent figures throughout history. Mm. It It is so well done. So, kudos to you, Regin. You really should feel proud of what you've accomplished (laughs) it's one of those things that uh and i know we're probably gonna get into it but it's one of those concepts that's been 
felt over time, but no one actually coined the phrase of putting it together. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't have my book in front of me, but the definition of suffering is the state of undergoing pain or distress. And the, uh, the definition of success is for an accomplishment of an aim or purpose. So if you put them together, it's the state of undergoing pain or distress for the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. You will never see that anywhere but my book. Yeah. Like, together. Those things are mutually exclusive, but together it's like, oh, it makes sense. When I put the definition together, I'm like, why hasn't nobody put this together yet? Yeah. If we all feel this, why isn't it together? Like, why isn't it something that everyone is aware of? And it's something that we all feel. Yeah. And <laughs> I was like, oh, this got to get out. It was like a eureka moment. Like, oh, man. Because I, ha- I had the title, but I didn't have the concepts behind it. And once everyone reads it, and I hope everyone goes out there and support it, they'll understand the backbone of why it's like the way it is yeah it makes me think of um there's a podcast that i constantly refer to just because it's so good and it is uh oprah sitting down with gwyneth paltrow and she says in that interview that whatever comes up for us if it's something that you're going through emotionally or mentally sometimes both it is there to teach you something if you listen to it it is there to teach you something about yourself and the human experience Mm. so that to me is just another reflection of of your combined definition it is what we go through in the willingness or the willingness to perceive our suffering as our greatest teacher and it's so and and actually that's i used to think that i wanted to be a, a motivational speaker as far as like the the the, the tony robbins the people that are out there that's just motivating and i think i'm more of a oprah type like i'm just a i want to understand the world i like this more than talking to three four hundred people at one time i like we can get more intimate like this we can understand each other more more uh, personally like this more like an oprah level and a more dr phyllis yeah um on that type of level and um one of the quotes that i have in the book is turn your failures into fixtures and it's a fixture is something that you needed as a building block to make you successful i would never have learned how to make a book if i didn't go through the things that i went through like i needed to go through some of the things to make it into a, a actual concept. And, and um, I think one of the, the, the things that I used was I had started a virtual assistant company and boy, I, you couldn't tell me, I, it was called VA King. And you, t- you couldn't tell me that I wasn't about to be the king of virtual assistant. And once I actually had to do it and started doing it for someone, it was the most headache, nerve wracking thing in the world. And I'm like, this is not for me. And and I, I could look at it as, oh, I wasted so much time. I failed. I, I didn't get accomplished what I set out to do. But along the journey, I learned how to build a website. I learned about accounting and bookkeeping. I learned about uh, what else did I learn? How to use cert- certain virtual systems online, how to use it. It's so much stuff I learned from just that one quote unquote failure that became a fixture in everything. I learned how to build websites. It became a fixture in and it's stuff that I was going to use for the rest of my life. So we we need to go. And that's why people are so afraid of failure because they feel like they're wasting time. They're wasting money. They're wasting energy. And it's like, yeah, you could look at it like that. Or you can pull from everything that we go through. You can pull from it and learn something from it. Yeah. Give me anything. Even a death produces life. Someone died in, in your, uh, your family of uh, a chronic illness. You can now promote that illness to get more people save more lives and get people to donate to finding a solution for that actual illness so yes you lost that family member but you're probably about to be able to affect 
10 more million of other people out there so that they can't lose their family or they won't have to go through the pain that you felt. So now your pain turned into something positive. Absolutely. It makes me think of the adage, there's a reason for everything. Mm -hmm. And some people will say, well, no, there isn't a reason for everything. Sometimes things just happen. No, reasons are there if you look for them. You, you got to look for them. You know, it's, it's what you're willing to learn from a situation mm -hmm. that can then better inform you how to move forward mm -hmm. or to never repeat that situation ever again, mm -hmm. depending on what it is. But one thing I wanted to get in with you, Reg, about is that in your book, you say that there are two types of suffering, mm -hmm. constructive and destructive. Mm -hmm. And would you mind just elaborating for our listeners, uh, maybe a little snapshot of what each type of suffering encapsulates? All right. So constructive suffering, and I'll use the two examples that I put in the book. Constructive suffering is suffering that you're, you're putting yourself through, but you know they'll yield good results at the end. So in the gym, working out, you lifted heavy weights, you're running on treadmills, you're running outside, you're doing aerobics, jumping rope, or even in any class that you go to of like yoga and stuff like that. They are hard tasks to actually do. They are very difficult. They are very intense. They are very... Uh, hard driven on yourself but at the end of each class at the end of each workout at the end of all of that if you do it consistently enough you'll yield something good from that you'll be a healthier person you'll be in have more energy you'll have more just life within you and it'll be good at the end of it destructive suffering is when you you're doing something that is putting you through pain, is putting you through hardship, but you're not getting no results. And the example that I used was a person that was working at a job and they hate their job. They go there, they tell people how sick they are of it. They can't stand their coworkers. They can't, they, they hate their family when they come home. They just go through all of this stuff and they don't do nothing about it. And you're just putting yourself through unnecessary pain and hardship and just unnecessary worries that you don't have to do it. You can always say tomorrow, I'm going to stop this and I'm going to start a new job or you don't have to quit that day. But even making that decision to turn on that switch to say, you know what, I don't have to put myself through this no more. I'm going to start looking for a new job. I'm going to start finding out what it is that I want to do to make myself happier. Those are the two things that we go to. We, and I find a lot of people are dealing with destructive suffering where I'll talk to family members or I'll talk to friends and they'll tell me their problems. They'll tell me the stuff that they're going through. And then when I give them solutions, they rather just. No, I want to talk more about the problem. Or they got a butt for every solution. And it's like, mm. dude, you don't want to answer. You're just putting yourself through suffering for no reason. You literally just want to suffer. So I can't help you. <laughs> yeah. But that's the, the difference between the two. And I, I felt like it needed to be a distinction between the two because suffering could be it's pain. But you can get a reward for pain if you decide to use it the right way. And I, I feel like more people need to learn how to use pain as an advantage and not a disadvantage. Yeah. And I also think that from my interpretation of destructive suffering, it generally causes a much larger negative output that not only affects yourself, but those around you. 100%. And it's like you aren't doing anybody any favors by by continuing this situation. Yeah. 100%. Like I said, I'm so happy you were able to receive it because sometimes you try to put things in the words and words, um, words get in the way to meaning sometimes. And some things just need to be felt. And when you can feel it and then describe it into the words, it's like, boom, I was trying to hit to that by that point. So I'm happy Nick was able to get it out there for you guys. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But it comes through in the writing. Mm. But another thing that I want to just like dive a little deeper into that is that some of these are situational, right? Where we do kind of have an active choice in one way or another as to how we perceive 
that suffering, right. right? How our perception of it. But then sometimes we go through other areas of our life that we don't always have an active choice, like coming back to the idea of loss. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes uh, something so profound can happen in your life that how do you then take that level of suffering and make it purposeful? I'll give you an example. And I'm so happy you brought that up. You're doing good. You're great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> all right. So I have two kids, right? And my fiance has a cousin who had a baby born the same time my baby was born. And around the same time. And she also, she has four kids. And unfortunately, and God, God rest the dead, her baby died um, through like, circumstances unbeknownst i forgot the name of the cause but it, the, the baby passed away and everyone was sad everyone was upset about it and I'm, I'm like i get it i get it and not to sound disheartening or just like uh like not humane about something time about it but i'm like you have three other kids that um you're moping you're being sad that they're losing their mom because there's the mom is so focused on the death of her child that they're losing attention that's more attention for you to spread like love harder on them. Not to say you're you don't want you don't miss your child. You're allowed to grieve, you're allowed to feel pain, you're allowed to feel hurt. But you have three other lives over here that also is dependent on you and you can give them exponentially amount of love now because that now you know how it feels to lose a child. So now you're very, very cognizant of, oh, I got to love on my babies right here even harder and give them the love that I would have gave to this child and just give them the love that I wish that I could give this child. And, and just turning that negative situation into a positive one. And I know that I'm uh, abnormal when it comes to stuff like that because everyone handles pain and death and everything differently. But I'm like, you have the opportunity to say, all right, I'm not going to focus on the negative because that death could be negative when you look at it. But I can I have three other babies I could love on. And I wish people could see it that way. But I under, I'm not uh, like a like a jerk to not understand why people don't think that way. I just me personally, that's I have two sons. If I would have lost the son that I have now or the baby son that I have, I would have just loved on my, my oldest son, even Harvard. I would try so hard to give him more of the world that I wish that his brother could enjoy with him. Yeah, you obviously have to deal with that loss. You mm -hmm. have to grieve. You have to feel everything that is coming up a hundred percent. And I'm just going to, you know, tail off of that with, with my own personal story where, um, I lost my mom. It'll actually be eight years in February. Mm -hmm. And I was very close with my mom of, of my two parents. I was, I was definitely closer with, with my mom than at the time with my dad. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because I'm the youngest of four. So there was like a little bit of that, like, you know, baby kid situation, but also growing up and like grappling with being a gay man. Mm -hmm. I, my mom was the first one I came out to, you know? Mm -hmm. So she was the first one to receive me in that way. Right. And I always felt very hesitant about coming out to my dad. Um, just because I always perceived him to be a very old school Italian guy. And I know my mom was a bit hesitant about it too. And she would always say like, you know, are you going to come out to him? Or are you going to come out to him? And I'm like, I will on my time, mm. you know, like when I'm ready. I told my mom when I was 19, you know, in college, I came out to her and then she passed away when I was 24, or 25. So it, there was time. I mean, I had all the time in the world to, to share my truth with my dad and my family, mm -hmm. but I chose not to. And even when my mom had passed, I still hadn't said anything to my dad. It wasn't until like maybe three years after. Mm -hmm. And all of this to say that sometimes 
you know, especially when I lost my mom, I went through a really hard time, you know, because it just felt like the whole world was pulled out from under me. Mm. And I just didn't know what to do. I felt aimless. I felt lost and trying to fill a void in so many ways. And along the way, I wound up meeting somebody that I wanted to share with my family. Mm. You know, he was just so great and and started to really help me heal myself in a lot of ways. Like, again, coming to finding uh, reasons as to why things happen. But long story short, the relationship that I have with my dad now, I don't think would have been possible had I not lost my mom. Right. My dad and I now are so close. Like, because I think when you experience loss, you really do begin to gain perspective of the people in your life mm-hmm. and what matters and what doesn't and what is so important. And what is so important is love and connection and making up for lost time that our, you know, the person that has passed away, how can we love more fiercely, more wholly in their absence so that we never feel regret when that inevitable moment happens again. Mm -hmm. In the midst of you talking, I was like, well, how would I would have looked at that situation if it was me? And in the midst of you talking, the one thing I was thinking about was, are you Italian male? I'm pretty sure there are people just like you are in that similar situation. How about starting an organization in the memories of your mother and helping young men who have mothers and their mothers come out to their father? Like you, you that is your organization's goal is like we want to help the young men who don't want don't feel comfortable coming out to their uh, fathers. And we help y'all. Or uh, orchestrate the conversation, or even be there as your backbone and support system to go come out to your father. So for me, everything can turn into pain can always turn into purpose. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I would be an emotional mess if I did that every day in my life. Are you kidding me? I don't think there would be enough tears, and I would just be like sitting on this like mountain of anxiety. <laughs> but yeah, that that is a beautiful way to look at it. You know, I hope that typed out does find the right people that do need to receive the message, and it gives them that bit of encouragement, whether it be something that I share, our team of contributors shares, or folks like you, Reg, whose work I will continue to shout out and promote. That the message gets out there, and it it is received by the person who needs to be receiving it man i totally appreciate it i'm i'm gonna always sing your praises especially anything you need on mine i'm always gonna do it <laughs> well thank you sir and hopefully this is just the start of much more to come and i know i know it is i know it is yeah, it definitely is coming back to suffering like the constructive versus destructive when is it time to give up because i know that some people listening will probably have that question in mind. Like, when do you call it quits? Do you call it quits? What is your What is your perspective on that? Uh, as far as suffering for something good or just, just suffering in general? Maybe both. Because um, what I was thinking from what I'm hearing from the question is, um, and I use an example of, uh, if anybody knows the wrestler The Rock, they know him as Dwayne Johnson, the movie star. They know him as the big superstar. He just did Jumanji, did uh, Skyscraper, all of them, all of those movies. And I remember when he first started into wrestling, and he wasn't the guy everyone sees today. He was not the guy everyone sees today. Like if you go Google, uh, what was it, Rocky Maivia, and you'll see him and how he used to look. You're like that. That is The Rock, and it's like. His ultimate goal was probably to become a wrestler, not even just a wrestler, but a top notch wrestler. And along the way, he made changes to become that same guy. So the version that he started out to be is not the version that we see today. And I'll use myself, for example. 
I knew I wanted to sit down and talk with people and had an entrepreneurship to be on the backbone from it. Did I think it was going to be podcasting? Did I think it was going to be YouTube? Did I think it was going to be uh, just like just any of these new age? We couldn't predict podcasting in the 90s or in the 2000s. We couldn't predict any of that stuff in that ages. But you couldn't tell me I wasn't going to be like Oprah or uh, just sitting down and talking or Dr. Phil or just sitting down talking to people. So I'm going to use the, the goal has changed. What they say, the, the destination hasn't changed, but the, the the map that you use to get there will. So you may start out one way and you go to the left, you go to the right, but I'm still going to accomplish the same goal. It's sort of like... Uh, are you going to quit? That's why you got to. It's important to really know who you are and what you want out of this world, because it'll it might not be in the version that you're looking at it as like. And we have to understand that as long as we're reaching the same goal, the version doesn't matter. Like the version does not matter of who you are. As long as you get to the same goal of right, I'm going to be an accomplished wrestler, the rock or accomplished entertainer because he took it way past wrestling or accomplished person that's able to talk on camera. We're doing this right now. This is uh, Howard Stern in the 90s or the 2000s. This is like this is the <laughs> yeah, same <it> is. <laughs> exact thing. Just it, way cleaner and it, more <laughs> motivational. <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent. And it just changed forms. But it's the same exact thing. Somebody says nothing new under the sun is nothing new. And it just takes form differently. But to answer your question, I think stopping is when you you stop something when you know it's not for you. Like I said about virtual assistant, I knew it wasn't for me. Um, I started mechanic school at one time, and I was in the classes, and I was doing the work, but I just you just know when something is for you. It's just like when they say, how do you know how you fall out of love? You know. You know, and you know when you're holding on to something that's not there anymore, but you're still holding on to it because you want it to be what you think it was supposed to be. But you know when it was over. Me and my fiance, we always discuss because we read like relationship stuff and look up and Google and all of that stuff. They say you'll marry three people in your life. Now, it's up to you if it's that same person you're with. Because me and my fiance have been together for about seven years, and she's not who I met seven years ago. She's not even the same person. I'm not the same person yeah. who I was seven go- years ago. That don't mean we quit. We just quit that version of ourselves to get to make sure we're still together. So you'll transform over time. But quitting is when you quit something, that means you're not that never was what you wanted to do in the first place. People evolve, right? Mm -hmm. Everything around us evolves. You look at trees, they go from acorns to oaks and you see, you know, babies to adults and like everything around you changes. It takes a different form. Mm -hmm. And so you, as you say, the rock didn't just come out and he was like the rock. Right. He had to take all the steps along the way. The same with Oprah, the same with Beyonce, as you bring her up in your book as well. Mm -hmm. And Michael Jordan, how many, you know, he even kept track of how many games he lost, Mm -hmm. how many shots he made and didn't, you know, didn't make them. And then also how many, which I thought was very poignant, how many game winning shots he was expected to make and he didn't make them. Mm -hmm. And just keeping a track of that and knowing that these could be 26 times that I could be down on myself or it could be 26 learning moments, you know, tools to be better or do better next time. Just work harder, work, you know, and it's about taking the steps to get to that point, which I think that this podcast is so timely because we are shifting into the time of year where people start to set resolutions, right? Mm -hmm. It is now the time where people are going to set new goals and aspects for 2019. 
And I think that your book will be instrumental in helping people to stick with that. Not even a resolution, let's just say goal setting. As far as when do you give up? Uh, do you give up? And then also, not why, but who is motivating you to do it? Mm. And hopefully sometimes you can answer that who with you. Like do it for you as well as much as doing it for everyone else, you know? I always think that the best work, so coming back to like doing the virtual assisting and then going to uh, to school to be a mechanic, and I know I've done that too with wanting to be an actor, then wanting to do voiceover work and also wanting to be an author myself. Like there are so many areas that I've wanted to pursue. And rather than thinking that I gave up in any one of those areas, I now see typed out is kind of all of those skill sets that I've garnered just packaged together. And it's like, (laughs) thank you, sir. (laughs) Um, It's, and I didn't know it until typed out really found me. Like it wasn't something that I was actively seeking. It just kind of presented itself. And I was like, well, shit. Okay, so I now see that it combines the speaking element that I'm now comfortable with because I've had stage experience. And we're now talking using microphones. That's the voiceover work. And also the the writing that I do, you know, to, to contribute to the platform is is my love for, for written language. So it's all of these things finding <laughs> now you hit on it right on the money because i was talking to, i want to make sure because uh, is it recorded visually like is, do, are they going to see this unfortunately not all right well then i'll describe it but we can we can make it available so anyway go ahead i'll describe it my uh therapist because i am in therapy because i'm in the mental health realm and i want to make sure i understand the process of therapy before i direct people to get into it so i am a therapist and yeah. one of the first things he asked me when i first started was um and i hope i can convey this message as clearly as possible is that I want to make sure you're not doing like a zigzag like he wanted to say what's the fastest to get way to get from point A to point B and it's a straight line and he was like I feel like what you're speaking and what you doing podcasting and what you writing a book you're going in zigzag going up and down all around and even writing blogs he's like you're going in zigzag and I had to explain to him I'm like no they're all in the same vehicle that's going in the straight line they're all one compasses my book has brought me to your podcast. My book has provided opportunities for me to speak. My speaking is an advertising for my book. My podcasting is me speaking. Like, they're all encompassed into one and not mutually exclusive. They're all one thing moving in the same direction. Suffering is a part of mental health. Uh, my podcast, I talk about mental health. When I go to schools and speak, I'm speaking to people about mental health. So they're all encompassed in the one. And he was yeah. like, now that when you say it like that, I understand what you mean. And like you said, once you mental health found me, I didn't look for mental health. I was trying to find because people like, well, you got to find your niche. You got to find something that people know you for and stuff like that. And when somebody think of this word, they think of you. And I'm like, all right, what is my thing? And I was listening to an interview and the guy was describing all this stuff from suicide to depression to anxiety and all this. I'm like I felt these things before. I never knew that's what they were called. And that's what started the gateway to me having a platform to explain it to everyone else. But now I'm like, oh, so that's my calling, mental health. Like, I I can speak to the people because I knew I wanted to speak. Yeah. Oh, I could talk about mental health when I speak. I got to write a book. What am I going to write a book about? All right, I have the title. What's the suffering? And, and oh, that's mentally. Suffering is a mental thing. Oh, I want to start a podcast. What am I going to talk about? What? I think I'm going to talk about and interview people about mental health. They're all encompassed into one. It was like, boom. And ever since then, it's been taking off. 
I have to do this to make like a connection to the mechanic uh, aspect of you. It's like they are four different wheels driving the same car. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like one wheel is the podcast. One wheel is the book. One wheel is the speaking. Is, yes. Public speaking. And the other one is your own work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's Reg behind the wheel driving the thing. You're still going in a straight line, mm-hmm. but it's all the components that that match up to it. A hundred percent. And I'm so happy you brought that out because I didn't even think about it. And, and that was like maybe two, three months ago. He said that. And it was like I, me- I remember that I wanted to make sure that I convey that message to everyone else. Yeah. And sometimes I do think because I love being creative Mm -hmm. you know just as and and learning new things knowledge to me and like the especially like being able to be handy with your hands and make things i just love that Mm -hmm. so i've done things from like baking to learning how to sew and doing all these crazy things like what's the point of it i don't know (laughs) but it feels a part of you that somehow somewhere along the road those things will show up in a very valuable way they always do they always do especially having conversations like this I am a hundred percent positive, and you could put me in a room with anybody. I could find one thing that I relate with them on on a certain level. I did a a speaker like virtual assistant. A lot of people don't know what that is, but a lot of people do. Uh, yeah. Going to mechanic school, like a lot of people hasn't gone under a car and like tried to fizzle with some things. Uh, writing a book. There's not a lot of authors out there. Like I can combine on any level, but everything, and that goes back to what we was talking about earlier. Even failures into fixtures. Everything that we want to try, that we want to do. Um, you said something about bacon. I'm like, dang, I used to do gimp a lot when I was a kid. And, like, do the little gimp things with the two strands. And I can't even yeah. remember. <laughs> like, I used to uh, crochet. I guess that's what it's called. But they all have some type of purpose in your life in some type of way. And you just never know when they're going to pop up and you'll be able to use them. Yeah. And sometimes the, the purpose might just be joy. That's Momentary it. joy. Ooh. You know? And it's, it's again... Um, just because I spend so much time on Instagram, as you know, that like that's the nature when you do things like write a book or host a podcast, that the other aspect of it is the marketing. Mm-hmm. And so like Instagram right now is just the gateway to all of that. Mm-hmm. So I come across a lot of quotes. And so I just love like absorbing some of the ones that I come across. Mm-hmm. And one was that think of like standing in line somewhere and you have a cup of coffee that has no lid on it and somebody bumps into you and you spill the coffee what comes out of the cup coffee Mm -hmm. if it were tea it would be tea that came out of the cup but now think of that as a life metaphor you are the cup and what are you holding on to is it Mm. anger is it joy or is it anger resentment um rage and if somebody does happen to graze you and bump into you that stuff will spill out the Mm. rage will come out the resentment will come out but if it's joy if it's love if it's acceptance and uh, positivity if somebody grazes you bumps into you those things spill out so it's what you fill the cup with you know i'm gonna use that i'm sorry i've got borrowed i'll give you credit though no, it's it's not even my quote. Not even my quote. I'll have to find it for you and send it to you. Okay. But again, like just coming back to doing GIMP or baking or whatever, even those things, if they're simple and bring you joy, that is filling up the cup. Mm-hmm. It's, it's replenishing the reserve so that when the tough stuff happens, again, coming back to suffering, like when the tough stuff happens and somebody bumps into you or grazes into you, hopefully the majority of what comes out is more the positive than the negative. And, and to piggyback off of what you just said, one of the biggest things that I talk to the kids about in the urban community when I speak to them is not letting your environment eat you. 
And simply put, it's just basically like we come outside, you probably see trash, you probably see drug dealers, you probably see just a whole bunch of stuff and you'll think that's what all there is to life. And it starts to encompass you and start to make you believe that's who, that's all the world is. And I'm like, it's not, man. That's only what we see. That's only what you have to have vision outside of the small community or the small little two blocks or circumferences that you're within at the moment and you have to use the fact that you know there's more to get yourself out of the, that community to get yourself in out of that environment and not let it eat you so that's my version of it <laughs> yeah absolutely mm. i would love to actually ask you a little bit more about your public speaking mm. is it specifically youth that you generally talk to or well, um, it's a it's a bevy of uh, how can I say? I want to talk to youth. I want to talk to community. I want to talk. I have talked to you. I won't even say I want to. I have spoken to youth community. I have spoken to uh, colleges and universities, and I'm, I also want to speak to small businesses and, and corporate America as well because mental health is such an important concept, especially the fact that uh, you want to get people to stay at your company. They have to know that you care about them. So, in a sense, when you start to learn how to appreciate the individuals within your company or at your company, they will in turn start to appreciate you. So just checking on in on their mental state and actually caring, not because of protocol, but to actually care about that. And going into colleges and universities, I've understood the mental mindset of like, how am I going to pay for school? Financial aid might not be coming in. Um, I don't have my mom at home. I just said earlier in the podcast that I didn't want to ask her for money because I knew she didn't have it. Single mother working, being on academic probation and the stress that bring. Just finding money for everyday things like laundry and stuff like that and then bringing it down to the local and, and, and uh, high schools and middle schools. I more so want to talk to them about, like I said, don't, don't letting your environment eat you and knowing, letting them know that mental health is oh, it's okay to cry. It's okay to talk about your daddyless days and motherless moments. How you went through the, the process of your mom not being there, that's okay to talk about. Yeah. Where everyone, it just, it, it buries and to use the analogy that you use, when people bump them or when something happened, it comes out as anger and emotion and, and all of that stuff where all along inside of yourself, it's you hurting. And it's you feeling some type of way, but it's manifesting as anger. A lot of these people, and I learned that with my uh, fiance, she she doesn't understand how I can see past what a person is saying and understand what they're meaning. Hmm. And they can say a bunch of stuff, but I'm like, that's not what they meant. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I can see. Like, you, it's so many, and that's why I said I'm a communication person. It's so many other aspects behind what's going through their mind that you got to understand the totality of a person before you can judge them off of what they said. And so many people, they're so quick to just judge a person. Oh, he said this or she said that. And it's like, but think about it like this. If you were in a predicament and you and you went through this and you felt this and you saw this in your life, how would you react? And once you put that all in together, the words don't even matter at that point of what they said because you understand the, the meaning behind what, they, the, what they're feeling. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so happy that you brought that up because a very similar situation happened to me recently where just a nutshell version, I was talking to to someone looking for a space to host an open mic night. And the, the owner of the establishment had said something that I didn't quite love the way mm -hmm. that he said it. And so I was talking with a friend of mine and she was saying, well, you know, just look at what he said. And sometimes people don't have the vocabulary to say what they mean, but 
try to find the intent, the meaning, exactly what you were just saying, not what somebody said, but what they were intending to say. Because more often than not, especially if we're new to a circumstance or don't know how to deal with the circumstance, we don't have the language to convey it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's being able to be an effective communicator to see what is being unsaid. One of the things that I don't know if I said in the beginning of this podcast, but it's so true, is sometimes words get in the way of what we mean. And words, because like you said, we, we're not... It could be a lack of education. It could be a lack of just not, just no, no know how. But I could have been in this whole time talking to you, just saying shit and all these other curse words because that's me trying to express that meaning. I don't have to curse when I talk to you. I can go in any room. I can elevate my speaking or my, my vocabulary. I can lower my vocabulary. It just for me, it depends on like me talking to you would be probably different if I was to go in the hood and talk to certain people. Just not even on a sense of um, trying to be fake or real or relatable. Yeah. It's more so I want to make sure whatever conversation that I'm having, it's a mutual conversation and the person that I'm talking to is able to understand back and forth what each other is meaning. Absolutely. So I understand what they're meaning and I, and they can understand what I mean. And certain environments, you have to speak the language. That, that's why it comes from when in Rome, do as. Like you have to be able to convey the message in back and forth. So it's very important to be able to understand people in a totality version and not just what they're perce- uh, uh, perceiving on the outside. Yeah. And sometimes a curse word is the is the <laughs> accurate expression that you want. You're just like, right. nope, sorry, but nothing feels better than fuck. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like right. it just fits the context. <laughs> it's like, did you really want to say that? Yes, I did. Yep. And a couple of other words that might come along with it. But sometimes you can see a person get frustrated because they want to say something, but the only word is the curse word that can come out to convey that message. And it's like, I don't know what you meant, but sometimes you can use a fuck and be like, oh, that was abrasive. It's like, but that's the word that they felt that came to mind at that time. So, I mean, it's just all about communication at the core of everything is communication. Absolutely. And one thing that I also wanted to to bring up from your book as well is, especially when you were talking about, um, first of all, the daddyless days and the motherless moments, how beautifully said. Can I just draw <laughs> attention to that? When you're dealing with those moments, another thing that I love from your book is the affirmations that you talk about and just how it's so important to to have affirmations that you repeat to yourself daily to help you get through that suffering. Let me see. Okay. One of them that I love in particular is I am not my mistakes or my misfortunes. I am the knowledge I gain from them. Mm-hmm. That is so poignant, Reg. I think that is essentially the best way to look at an unlucky circumstance. Mm-hmm. You know, is like how you aren't defined by the bad things that happen to you. I would probably argue that you are defined by what you make of them. Hundred percent. One of the things that I quoted in the book, or I talk about in the book, uh, is how my dad wasn't there for me, and how I didn't have a father figure growing up, and how uh, like I had temporary father figures, but I didn't have a full fledged dedicated to this one child, or dedicated to making sure this boy becomes a man. I didn't have that in my life, so it was one of the things where I could have used that as an excuse or, or or crutch to say, all right, well, since my dad wasn't here, I don't know how to talk to women, so I'm gonna be abusive, or. Since my dad isn't here, I don't know how to be a man, so I'm just going to be a bum and live off of my mother. Or I don't know how to be a man, and I don't. I, no one never taught me the value of hard work, so I'm just going to be lazy and just find easier ways to make money and stuff like that as far as, like, well, not easy, but stealing and stuff like that. Or I can say, all right, 
I'm going to use the misfortune of my dad not being there and become the best dad, man, husband that I can be in, in, in this world. And I may not have all the answers, but I could be on the journey of finding the truth and finding the, the, the solutions to all of the problems that I'm having in my life. And a lot of people dwell on the fact that they have mistakes or they have misfortunes instead of using it as, as a, a, a motivation to become a better uh, version of you. So it's one thing that you said that I didn't put into my book, but I should have. And maybe in the next version, I'll do it is you are the most important who that you can work for. Mm. That really is the person that you need to be successful for. You need to be it for you so you can have your own happiness. So that way you can feel comfortable in your skin and who you are. If you're so focused on who you aren't or who you who what happened to you you can never become the best version of yourself so you have to be constantly focused on i'm going to use every bad or looked at as bad thing as possible and use it to elevate me and elevate the version of myself that i want to become because if not what's the alternative and i oh that's one thing that i always want people to think about and if you hear anything or if you want to take anything from this uh conversation What's the alternative if you don't? If you don't quit the job that you're suffering, what's the alternative? You're about to suffer for the rest of your life there? Like, always look at what's the alternative to you, because people have that fear of trying to go get success or trying to go obtain a better version of themselves or trying to attain happiness. But what's the alternative? Even if you're in a miserable relationship and it's like, oh, I'm scared to leave him, or I'm scared to leave her, I'm scared to leave this situation. What's the alternative? Are you just going to stay and be miserable for the rest of your life? Yeah. Like, you have to be able to look at the positive of everything, of every situation, and say, all right, I may be fearful, I may be scared, but I'm going to have faith that I'm able to obtain what I'm looking for in the better version of what's going to happen and not be so fearful that of the possibility of the bad that will happen. Absolutely. And... um you made me think of something else, which was like, especially if you're in a relationship with someone, why, why continue to be in that relationship if it's so tough on you? Save two lives because the other person probably isn't happy as well. So if you, if you do what's best for the relationship, really, at that moment, it's probably getting out of it. Mm. You know, because otherwise, if you're unhappy, the other person's unhappy as well. I like that. Save two lives. Like you're, you so focused on not uh, worrying about that. Save his, save his or her life as well. Yes. You don't know what they're going through. Save their life just as well as saving yours. Right. That goes back to the Yahoo. Yeah, and the whatever <laughs> you're filling up the cup with. So if mm -hmm. if you're not happy, you're spilling out unhappiness. Mm -hmm. You know, Whew. well, <laughs> I hope everyone is listening to this podcast all the way to the end because there have been some pearls of wisdom dropped. So mm. and this is only the surface. So everyone needs to go and get Reg's book, Suffering into Success. Reg, that brings us to the end of our hour, unfortunately, mm. but not the end of our conversation. So I want to thank you so much for joining me today on our podcast. And I can only encourage everyone to one, go and purchase Suffering Into Success. And where can we find that? That's at my website, ReginaldAHoward.com. Um, you can Google Black Mental Health Podcast. You can go on my Instagram and social media and stuff like that. Um, just type it in Reginald, R-E-G-I-N-A-L-D, the letter A, and Howard.com, and you'll be able to find it. Or type in Suffering Into Success on uh, Amazon, and you can find it all there. Yes, and I purchased my copy off of Amazon. So uh, if you are looking to purchase a copy, not only can you find it through all of Reg's networks, but you can also find it through the typed out website. 
which will be made available to you today. So just jump on to Amazon and purchase a copy of Suffering into Success by our guest and author, Reginald A. Howard. And also please tune into the Black Mental Health Podcast. Reg, you're doing great work. So everyone should be subscribing and following along and and listening to what you and your guests have to talk about. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate all the support. I'm working on some things that I would I would love for you to be a part of in the future. So I'm pretty sure that this conversation won't end here. No. You guys will probably see us a lot more together in yes. the future. I have to make the trip up uh, to New York to come sit with you in actuality. But we'll figure some things out and get some things across. Absolutely. Reg, we're actually taking a break next week because of the holiday season. So this is, again, as I said in the beginning, our last episode of 2018. But I do want to wish you and yours a very happy holiday season and also to everyone listening along. And we will return on January 1st, 2019 with Sorobi Karstafner to talk about setting goals to piggyback off of this conversation and also bringing back the most important who taking care of yourself so that you can be your best for those around you. To everyone listening, I always thank you for doing so. And if you would please go ahead, subscribe, give us a rating. We would appreciate it. And just know that we will be back with more in 2019. So Reg, thank you again. And we'll be talking soon.